things that I have actually, uh, the first thing I want to talk about really affects in-person worship gatherings uh, that I want to kind of talk about just for, just for a brief minute. Uh, over the past week and a half, Albany County has seen a spike in coronavirus cases um, really related to, uh, if you haven't watched the news, it's related to a party that happened on Hudson Avenue. If you were at that party, shame on you. We'll forgive you, though. Uh, but that being said, uh, there has just, you know, we're seeing anywhere from 25 to, to 44 cases uh, almost every day right now. And we ended up polling our audience, and by that I mean polling the parents and, and talking to them about city kids. And so starting next Sunday, uh, for the next three Sundays, we are going to pause uh, with having next-gen ministry out of an abundance of caution to make sure uh, that, that um, the, the kids do not, they're not asymptomatic. They come in here, they infect someone else, then you send your kid home, and then you're sitting there, and the next thing you know, you have coronavirus. That being said, none of our kids have gotten coronavirus. We've been taking all the safety precautions, but we want to, uh, we just kind of want to be ahead of this thing, right? I'm not trying to use political lingo here. Uh, but we do want to be ahead of this thing, and we want to ensure a safe environment. So here's what we're going to do instead. Um, starting next week, our worship experience time is going to be 11 a.m. still, but we're going to make it more family-friendly, and we're going to keep it to 60 minutes max. Now, I know some of you are laughing right now, and that's okay, uh, but I will do my best to make sure that we stay at 60 minutes or less uh, and then, of course, families will sit together as you guys are now. Uh, the other thing we're going to do is we want to resource parents uh, with tools to be able to lead uh, their children into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do is real quick, I want to show you guys a short video about one of the tools that we're going to be giving to you guys this week. If you would, uh, check this out. So the way that that works is uh, you can go to the Google Android store, if I get that right, or the Apple store. Uh, you download the ParentQ app. Uh, you'll log in. It'll ask you, you know, set your password and stuff. Um, and then you're going to input the child's information, uh, their name, and then their age. And then it'll link up to us here at City Church. It'll say, search for your church, City Church Albany. We'll pop up. You click on that. Um, and then it will give you curriculum uh, from one years old all the way up through teenage years uh, so that you as a parent can have devotionals, videos, Bible studies. You can stream it straight to your, your television at home. The other thing that we have coming out, um, and I'm, I feel like I'm going to butcher the name, but is it Playlist? Is Michelle isn't in here. Playlist? Playlist. Okay, it's called Playlist, and that is where our team will be designing an in-home worship experience for the next-gen ministry. Uh, to where you guys, as a family, can gather around. You'll have worship songs. Uh, it'll be the lessons that they would be having here. And all of, all of this is through uh, the organization called Orange that we end up using to really resource the next-gen. And so that's going to be taking place. 
If you're a parent, I want to invite you tomorrow evening to a 7 p.m. Zoom call. If you've ever checked in a child, we already have your information. Uh, you will be receiving an email tomorrow, and we'd like to invite you to that Zoom call. If you've never checked in a child here or uh, you, you know, you know, if you've got a teenager or whatever, um, send us an email, info at citychurchalbany.com. Uh, and we will add you to that, and we'll send you the link for the Zoom call. It's going to be a 30-minute Zoom call uh, that kind of gives a walkthrough tutorial so that you can be empowered as the parents to really have family discipleship in your home. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk to you guys about is a few weeks ago, uh, we kicked off something here at City Church on Tuesday nights online called Mike's, Mike Talks Theology. Has anyone watched Mike Talks Theology? Anyone? Two of you? Three of you? Okay, thank you for watching Mike Talks Theology. I really don't talk theology, uh, but it's me interviewing a friend of mine who actually helped start this church, uh, David Lilly, and we, we really just gather around, and we've taken your questions that you submitted, and we are answering those um, through the lens of Scripture. And so there is an incident that took place. We'll dive into that later, uh, but we had to hit pause on that. But we are back at it again this upcoming Tuesday night. It'll be available on YouTube, City Church NY, or Facebook, City Church NY, at 9 p.m. Uh, I will be in the comment section. I would love for you guys to join us online and engage uh, with Mike Talks Theology. So we have two more episodes coming up this Tuesday and next Tuesday. So please make sure to join us. And then over the next couple weeks, we know that ministry looks different. Can we just agree that life looks different? Anybody? Life looks different? Some of you guys are wearing masks right now. Some of you are at home. You're eating breakfast. You're sipping on a latte. Um, ministry looks different. And I want you to know our team has been meeting and we have been brainstorming what does the future of the church look like? And so over this upcoming week, you're going to start seeing some stuff rolling out from us about things that we are doing to um, continue to build engagement and continue to ultimately leverage environments where we can grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's going to be, uh, that's kind of, I think that's all my announcements. Oh, the last thing, last thing, Nathan mentioned Israel. Next Sunday, immediately following our in-person gathering our in-person worship experience, we're going to have a brief 20 to 30 minute Israel interest meeting. And so if you're interested in going to Israel, uh, just want to invite you to that. Is It is open to anyone, for everyone, all ages, uh, and we'll answer all of your questions, hand out some material, and um, get things going. All right, now I'm out of breath. Here we go. So uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today, and this is part three in a series that we've called Kingdom Culture. And what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks is really looking at the world's culture and then looking at the kingdom's culture, the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. And if you're taking notes today, you can call this message Be Bright, if, if you want to call it anything, just Be Bright. Um, and I think right now... We need the church to not adapt to the world's culture, but we need the church to fall in line with the culture that Jesus Christ came to establish 
2,000 years ago. The people in our world need to see a church who is illuminating and radiating the glory of God, who is walking in love and in mercy and kindness and being peacemakers. And what Jesus does throughout the Sermon on the Mount is he talks about what the kingdom of God looks like, the kingdom culture, what that looks like. And so um, we spent two weeks going through the Beatitudes, and today we're going to get past that. We're, we're whopping 13 verses into that. Today we're going to read verses 13 through 16 in Matthew chapter 5. And so I'm just going to read that. If you got your scripture, you can follow along. If not, it'll be on your video, your television screen, or it will be on the big sky Bible behind me. But Jesus says, now again, this is right after the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. He says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled upon people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light lamps and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all um, in the home. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, before I go on, I have got a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and I believe that this was Judah. If you guys want to see this, the reason I'm like squinting up here is right here is Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 and right there is a picture of PJ Mass that they drew aka uh, scribble. So I'm like squinting through, is that say good or bad? So like, so just bear, bear with me. Actually I'll just refer to the, the screen from now on. But Jesus starts out by saying, you are the salt of the earth. Now, just like today, 2,000 years ago, salt added flavor to food. How many of you guys like salt? If you're watching online, if you like salt, just give us a big like right now or a heart. Me, I like salt, but too much salt is actually bad for you. And I think that we understand that. You know, you dump a bunch of salt on a fish, it's not going to taste very healthy and good. But salt was used for adding flavor to bland food, but also it was used for preserving. And what Jesus is saying right here is he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. This earth needs to be um, preserved. This earth needs to be taken care of. This earth needs to be steward. And I'm not trying to preach an environmental message. That's not what I'm saying. But the church is to step, step in and to add some flavor to the earth. Salt tastes different from pepper. Salt tastes different um, from oregano. Salt tastes different than any other preservative or any other spice that you would add to food out there. And the same thing should be for the church, that when we step into highways and, and byways and places and spaces, when we step into those different environments, we should add a flavor to those environments that sets us apart from the world. This morning, Kevin, just right down here, he said, you know, I am of the world, but I am not in the world. I am, wait. I am, up, I butchered it, but you know what I mean, right? Like, I am in the world, thank you, I am in the world, but I am not of the world. The same thing should be true with us who profess Jesus Christ as being our Lord and Savior and our kingdom. What does saltiness look like? Blessed are the merciful. 
Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. Those who live in love but also demonstrate love to other people. In Acts chapter 2, it even talks about how not only um, were Christians in awe of other Christians, but the world was in awe of the church. If we go on social media right now, are people going to be in awe of the things that you end up posting online? Are people going to be in awe of the things that maybe they see you doing and the things that see you, you acting? You know, there's, there's a friend of mine, Byron, who's down in Beaumont, Texas, and he posed this question the other day. And I know where it came from, but um, this question was, do you return your shopping cart, yes or no? Now, I don't want you to answer that. I don't want you to answer that. I mean, internally answer it. But do you return your shopping cart? And returning your shopping cart is the easiest gesture of love that you can do to the employee at ShopRite or Market 32. I mean, I've never worked for Walmart. I've never worked for Price Chopper. But I feel bad for those guys, especially during the heat of the summer and especially during the middle of winter whenever there's like 18 inches of snow on the ground. And they got to go out there and they got to collect a bunch of shopping carts because people are lazy. But salt of the earth. We should be standing out. We should be set apart. We'll get into that in just a minute. But then he continues on in verse 14, and he says, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill, right? And he starts drawing this parallel with the city on a hill and how it stands out. Now, in our time in Israel this past February, um, I always thought like, oh, this is a cool metaphor for something. But there are literally cities encamped on these hills that you can see. We went out to the Jericho, uh, not the uh, near Jericho, which is the Jordan Desert, and, and, and we're sitting there at this mountaintop. And you can look all around and you can say, there's a city, and there's a city, and there's a city. Or even when you get in Jerusalem, it is literally a city that is built on a hill. And so this was something that literally Jesus was talking about and people represented a city on a hill the light shines out for people who are far far away are able to see any of you guys drive down route 7 coming from 87 the north way headed to 787 late at night you kind of go over that bend just a little bit and you, as you go over it, you see the city of Troy that is set up on a hill, especially at night. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. But the city of Troy, as an example, is built up on a hill. It's the same thing in Jerusalem or Israel. And it's the same thing that whenever Jesus is talking, he's, he's conveying this message and all of his disciples understood. For us, it would be like Troy, New York. But for them, it was like Jerusalem or Jericho, or some of these other ancient cities. You know, I think about lights, and, and you know, everything we, we have has light around it. Times Square is filled with lights. Right now, I've got lights pointing down on me. If you're watching online, your computer screen or your television is actually 
thousands upon thousands of microscopic lights that are that are causing you to be able to see me and see us be able to have church on on uh, a device us whenever we get in our car and the sun starts setting down nowadays we've got the smart cars and your lights just pop on and your wipers just start happening and and but like we are surrounded by light this right here is what we're surrounded by now this is a modern day led general electric cost you five dollars for one of these I sometimes miss the old school bulbs that cost 79 cents just because they were cheap. And I also don't like the way LEDs look. I'm just being honest. Don't hate on me. But I don't. But Thomas Edison, in the late 1800s, didn't invent the light bulb, but took the light bulb and brought electricity to it. It took him 3,000 tries 3,000 tries for him to be able to get electricity into a light bulb so that you can go over into your kitchen and flip a switch and light will end up coming in. And in the middle of the light bulb, and after 3,000 different experiments, um, he realized that there needed to be a filament that would have electricity coming into it. And so he tried cardboard, and he tried all these different things, and he realized, well, cardboard just kind of it lights up for just a brief second, and then it burns out. But he ended up landing on some type of carbon material. And because of that, it has been able to be reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. And new technology and new science has been able to come in. And now we have these LED bulbs that waste very, very little amount of electricity. But we have light all around us. Could you just imagine a world without light? Could you imagine your life like tonight without light? Like, even when you go camping and you're trying to, you know, rough it in the woods, most of you are going to have a flashlight. Most of you are going to have an LED lantern. Most of you, some of you even bring, like, full-blown blow-up air mattresses and, like, um, cushions, and you've got a little portable AC that you put in the tent. But light. Scripture has a lot to say about light. Thomas Edison took this idea of creating light and made it available for all of us today. In 1878, he started a company, company called Edison Electric, which is now known as General Electric, just a few miles from us. Light, we need it. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I want to talk about light for just a minute and kind of point out some things all in Scripture. But if you, uh, you don't have to turn with me, but if you're taking notes, I'm going to go through just a few Scriptures. But in Genesis chapter 1, this is what we see. We see in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said famous four words, let there be light. Now, I don't know if God was up in heaven, you know, and he was like, let there be light. That was cool. <laughs> that was cool, the echo. Like, if you're not here, it was just cool. Or if God was like, let there 
be light. I don't know how it took place. But the moment that he said, let there be light, the heavens parted, the skies parted, all the darkness and all the void that was out there was having this radiancy coming and penetrating it. And light was here. Light was here. I, I think something that's interesting is you see that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth, but the earth was void. The earth had no uh, real structure to it. it. I mean, it literally said it was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I love that right there because it is God back then, the same God that is here today, that when there is a void, when there is, um, when there is a deep dark area when there is is vastness that we don't understand that God is not afraid of the voids in our life that his spirit wants to enter into the void his spirit wants to go there and speak to us and minister to us and in the dark areas of our life he wants to shine a light he wants to shine a light in your void and you know what your void is I know what my voids are right God wants to shine light in that and right here we see the voice of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God all intertwined right here to be able to create this thing that we call light. In Psalms 119, 105, it literally says the Word, Scripture, God's spoken Word that is written down for us is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It refers to this thing that we call the Holy Scripture as light. And Jesus comes into this earth and in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Let me turn there real quick. Peter, the apostle Peter, writes this. He's writing this, this letter, and, and in this letter he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, before Christ, we were in darkness. And because of Christ, because of us embracing Christ as our risen Savior, making him Lord of our life, we are called out of darkness and we are brought into his marvelous light. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Let me say that again because I feel like some of us need to hear that and speak that over our life. The darkness cannot overcome light. Light will always win. And Jesus is the light of the world. And he turns to you and said, you are the light of the world. Everywhere we go, we are surrounded by darkness in our culture. Everywhere we go, we are infiltrating as little beacons of light the darkness of this world and spreading the love and the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you a, a few examples of, of what we've seen. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look, Pastor Confession, right here. Um, this is hard for me. Not preaching. I love to preach. Like, it gets me all giddy and excited. Woohoo! What's hard for me is that two-thirds of our church, if not more, are not able to be with us in person. I love you guys. I know you're all watching online right now. But that's hard for me because there's people that I want to see. I was talking to Tina this morning, and I just want to go give Ken, who hasn't been here, I just want to go give him a big hug and tell him, I love you, man, and I miss you. 
the Rosbosoms, man, I wish that they were here. I just want to give them high fives. And look, I know, don't email me social distancing. I'm not going to go do it. But like, I want to. And this is hard for me here. It's hard for me to step into this space. And it feels like if we can just be honest with ourselves, we are surrounded by darkness. Darkness is all around us. What in the world is going on? We've got the Epstein stuff being brought up. We've got the political drama going on. The racial tension that's happened again has been resurfaced. We've, we've got the coronavirus. Can we please get rid of the coronavirus? Like It's like this major plague that's, you know, and then murder hornets and, and hurricanes now. And, and like, first off, did you realize Albany, New York got a tropical storm a few weeks ago hello like what is going on we are surrounded by darkness but as we sing so often in the middle of it all we may not see you working but God you are working let me just share a few things God is working this month we've seen people almost every week the past three Sundays we've seen which would every Sunday but today, we have seen people make a decision to give their life for Christ in this church. Thank you. Thank you. That's something to get excited about. Whether that's in person or online, we are seeing people saying yes to Jesus. That gets me excited. Not only did we have someone last week who emailed us in, but, but last night I came in and I found a Connect card from last week that I guess we missed, and, and it said that they gave their life to Christ, and I was able to talk to the man afterwards, but that gets me excited. That is why we are here, and despite the darkness around us, God's light is still shining bright through his church. Some of the other things is the, the church, and I love this, the church right now is being forced to move from an organization to a bunch of individuals owning that they are a part of the body of Christ and they get to go be the church. We are seeing churches across this nation and also here in City Church serve their cities like they've never served before. Give more money away to organizations and to feeding um, Feed America or feed programs than ever before. And that is super excited. We're hearing stories about individuals in our churches who are talking to their neighbors and praying with their neighbors and like God is leading them to do that. So it's moving from just going to church on Sunday and raising our hand and having a good old time and checking off a box to engaging as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, and being the church. That is God's brightness light that is in you that is shining in our world. Another thing that I just want to share with you guys is we know about the uproar and the cry for justice around George Floyd and Brenda Taylor and some of the other instances that have taken place, these horrible instances that have happened. But the church is rising up and taking a stand. And they're not taking a stand in, in, in um, participating in, in, in riots. They're taking a stand and participating in prayer. And we're seeing change. And many of you guys know Jonathan Tremaine Thomas. Jonathan Tremaine Thomas, who's spoken here and he spoke over this past summer with us online. But Jonathan leads an organization called Civil Righteousness. And, and I shared this a few weeks ago, but man, I, they just posted this video and I've got to share this video with you. But they went to Kansas City to the most racially divided street and they asked the church to come out and pray. And what took place was amazing. I want to show you guys this clip.
real quick. Ten miles long, the church, line by line, from different denominations, different backgrounds, different races, joined together and prayed for God's mercy and God's justice and healing. You are the light of the world. It's not my words. It's what Christ says. And to kind of get a better understanding, you, you actually have to jump back a little bit to the previous chapter in Matthew. As we start to wrap up, I just want to read this just a, a little bit with you. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. And I'm going to attempt to pronounce some names that I'm just going to butcher. And so if you have any complaints about it, email daniel at citychurchalbany.com. But it says, Now... When he heard, this is talking about Jesus, that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and of Naphtaliah. Did I get that right, Kevin? Just say yes. Don't lie. 
So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And then he quotes Isaiah, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Now, this is an area that we know from, you know, the Psalms as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I'm not talking about uh, the rap song back in the 90s, which was a great rap song. Just throwing that out there. But, like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the literal valley of death, which is then known by the time Jesus shows up on the scene as the, Gen uh, the Galilee of the Gentiles, now, if you don't know, Jews did not like Gentiles, and Jews thought that Gentiles could never equate to having a right standing with our Heavenly Father. But Jesus shows up on the scene, and he came not only for the Jew, but he also came to shine a light on the Gentiles. And before he goes and he preaches a powerful sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, and he goes through the Beatitudes, and he goes through uh, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he fulfills the prophets, Isaiah's prophecy, which is coming from Isaiah 9. It won't be on the screen, but I just want to read it for you. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nepeth, that word. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And then it says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And if you read down just a few more verses, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his governance and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over the kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. Talking about Jesus showing up. So Jesus, with 5,000 or so people around him listening on this sermon, his disciples, the religious leaders, Gentiles, Jews, everyone there, he turns and he says, hey, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I think oftentimes in our life we have a tendency to want to prove ourselves right. I think oftentimes in arguments with our spouse we want to be right. In arguments with our kids we are right. I'm just saying they're kids. Um, with disagreements politically we want to be right. And really Jesus is not saying I want you to be right. I just want you to be bright. 
I want you to step into your workplaces and I want you to illuminate the light of God in you. I want you to step into um, the, 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 the city bus or any government building that you may go into or you're walking in shop right and I want you to not be right but I want you to be bright. I want you to go out to eat and instead of arguing about 17 cents on the receipt that they mischarged you, why don't you leave a bigger tip and show the light of Christ to that waiter or waitress. Oftentimes we want to be right when Jesus wants us to be bright. Let me, let me point one up to make it real relevant. Do masks work or do they not work? I don't know. But it is our responsibility, if you physically can, to wear our mask for our neighbor and to let the brightness of Jesus Christ shine through you by you putting on a mask. Does it work or not? I don't know. One side has a lot of arguments. The other side has a lot of arguments. My responsibility, mask up, right? Practice social distancing. These are all things that we've heard over and over and over and over. To be bright. You know, the hard part about electricity is not you flipping on that switch or even the light bulb. Yes, it took over 3,000 times. The hard part about electricity, and you think about it, it leaves the source of electricity, whether that is a um, a power plant, a coal power plant, or whether it's solar power or wind energy or hydroelectricity, you think about it, it has to go through a process, a process where it is extremely excruciating, and then they take this high voltage, and it leaves the where the process took place, and it leaves there, and it travels hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles in these copper wires that are wrapped and wrapped and wrapped on these high beams that we call light poles. And I want you to think about all the man hours that went into place to generate the electricity. All the man hours that went into place to build the electric poles and to run the wires. And then you get to your house and it has to leave the transformer and it has to connect with your house and it's got to be the proper wattage or else it could blow the whole thing up. I know this because I've done it in my house. But like it's got to be the proper wattage and then it goes into your breaker box and then from there it, it, it disperses out through your entire house so that you can walk into the bathroom and flip a light switch. And we don't think much of it. But the process of electricity is not so much here. The process of electricity is getting the wires from the box over there and the box over there that's coming from the place where it's generated through the hundreds of miles of power lines that ends up running to an extension cord that runs into right here. The process is the hard part. Jesus was our process. Jesus went through the immense amount of pain. Jesus went through the suffering and the torture. Jesus experienced the blood on his back that was shed for you and me. And all Jesus invites us to do is to get connected to the source. Get connected to the vine. Get connected to Jesus. To take our little life right here that right now might be in darkness and to connect it 
with the source of all things and to allow him to let his light shine through you. You are the light of the world. He is the source for the world. He is the grace for the world. He is the love for the world. Be bright in all that you do. Know that when you leave here, you have an opportunity. When you are hanging out at home with your kids this afternoon, you have an opportunity. When we go to work tomorrow, we have an opportunity to get connected to the source and to be that light and to shine bright for all to see. But that can only take place if we're connected to the vine, connected to the source, connected to Jesus. What I'd like to do is I'd like, if you're here with us in person, I'd like to invite you to stand with me. If you're watching online, I want you to just bow your head and just take a moment to yourself, maybe with your family. You know, if you've never gotten connected to the source of all light, I want to invite you to do that, to give your life to Jesus. And all you have to do is you just repeat after me, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I give you my life. And if that's you online right now, you can text um, Jesus to 518-501-0121. If that's you in person and you're giving your life to Christ today, what I'd like you to do is as you leave today, you can also text that number. But send us an email at info at citychurchalbany.com or simply fill out a connect card at the back and just check that you're giving your life to Christ today. We want to send you some literature. We want to give you a book called The Cross Worked. And we want to help you start this journey of you being the light of the world by being connected to the source of the world. But for everyone else, my challenge for you is to get connected, to be bright, and to continuously remind yourself that you've been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to be able to get connected with you, the source of all things. And I just ask that you would continue to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and let your love wash over us. In Jesus' name.